Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love and to this episode of Helpline. Today we're joined by sleep consultant Joe Ryan. Joe's here to help you with any questions you might have, including sleep questions, behavioural questions for babies and toddlers. Hi Joe, how are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. You can ask Joe your questions uh, through a number of ways. You can um, pop them below this Facebook Live. You can direct message us at Facebook. If you're listening via the podcast, you can email helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. But let's get stuck into it because, Joe, we have quite a few today. A few oh, people good. need your help. Um, we'll start with Jade, who uh, sent us a Facebook inbox um, email. She says, Morning, ladies. I'm in need of some advice. My two and a half year old has been toilet trained for about 12 months now, and we haven't used nappies for about eight months. All of a sudden, he has become very lazy and will just wee or poo anywhere without telling me. And when I ask if he needs to go, he says no. It's been happening for a couple of weeks. I've put him back in nappies on the occasion, but he won't wee in them anymore. He wants to use the toilet. So why all the secret accidents now? I'm currently pregnant and I'm losing my patience with him. It seems like an attention thing. I'm a stay-at-home mum and I'm struggling with how to handle this. It's from Jade. Mm. Yes. Well, look, I think um, two and a half is young to be toilet trained and she says he's been toilet trained for a year. So that's um, that's amazing, really. Um, yeah. You know, and... You know, for young children, they are very sensitive to what's going on around them. So, um, you know, I think maybe being pregnant, uh, you know, I don't know what else might be going on, like, you know, if he's, if some other changes are happening, this is all reflected in young children through behaviour, either regression behaviour, so things go backwards, or sleep regression, you know, where they start to wake where they weren't previously sleeping the whole night or whatever. So um, I think the first thing to do is just acknowledge that something's going on for him and um, and to try to support him through whatever that is. You know, he's a bit little, he, he doesn't know probably what he's experiencing and he obviously is too way too young to verbalise that or understand that. So um, I think... I know it's very frustrating. The weeing and pooing everywhere can be terrible and, you know, annoying and, you know, inconvenient and messy. But um, I think, uh, you know, maybe just offer to put him in a nappy for a little bit, you know, during the day until things settle down again, you know, and just to give you a bit of peace of mind so that you're not having to clean up wee and poo everywhere. And... um, and, you know, until things sort of get back on track for him, I would also make sure that, you know, um, you're spending some one-on-one time with him. You know, I know it's really tricky too if you're preparing for a new baby and um, there's a lot going on. But um, children tend to not seek attention as much as, you know, they're not, they're not consciously seeking attention. They don't say, I'm going to do this in order to seek attention they do something as a reaction to something else. So um, just kind of maybe up the kind of amount of time you're spending with him, just one-on-one, like if it's just, you know, it doesn't have to be more than half an hour, but just where you're sit- sitting with him or doing something with him where your attention is completely focused on him, 
um, because they can sense when we're busy and distracted and, you know, that's when the behaviour can become a little, you know, not so ideal. <laughs> yeah, pushing the buttons. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And hopefully it will pass, you know, and he'll get back on track. But just, just kind of, you know, support him through this time and try to take a deep breath and maybe use the nappies, like I say, um, to take away that element of, you know, the extra cleaning. Yeah, and um, I know that Monica Ferry, the toilet training expert on um, parent school, will. All, the thing that she said that kind of blew my mind was that it will never reverse the toilet training if you put them back in nappies, that it just no, takes that's the right. pressure off, like exactly what you said. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's not it doesn't gonna... mean that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't mean that they're not going to know how to use the toilet. He yes. will, but it just takes a little bit of pressure off. It lets him be a little bit of a you know, baby for a little, for a little bit longer, if that's what he's wanting. Um, but, you know, that it won't be like that forever. No. And, yeah, if you're 32 weeks pregnant, Jade, give yourself a, a break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Those nappies totally. back on. Yeah. Uh, this email yeah, comes exactly. from Madeline. She says, my two-and-a-half-year-old has been refusing dinner every night for the past week. He's always been a great eater up until now. During the day, he asks for snacks constantly and is extremely fussy, only wanting the packaged or unhealthy options. I feel like he's literally coming to me every half an hour asking for a snack during the day. I've tried different dinner options and reduced snacking close to dinner time, but it doesn't change anything. He's refusing to even sit at the table at dinner time now. I feel bad sending him to bed with no dinner. He wakes up around 6am every morning and asks for breakfast straight away. And then the constant snacking begins. Is this normal? Help. <laughs> well, toddlers are renowned for being, you know, fussy eaters. So that's not unusual. Um, and, you know, one day they'll eat something and the next day they hate it, you know, um, and then they'll love it again the, the day after. That's just the way toddlers work. Um, I mean, I think what you're doing by reducing snacking is a good idea, but I would do that throughout the whole day. You know, I think, you know, there's obviously a calorie kind of count that is accumulative throughout the day. So it's like, um, you know, even if he hasn't eaten snacks, you know, for an hour before dinner, if he's had a lot of snacking during the day, he might, he might just not be hungry. So I would reduce that snacking and maybe just have breakfast, morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea, dinner, you know, just spend yeah. a while. And obviously try to offer, you know, healthy snacks. Um, just remove the, the non-healthy snacks, if you can, from the pantry so that you can have. And there are good options for healthy snacks these days that aren't, you know, terribly boring as well, you know. Um, so, you know, and with the dinner time, I would often use a timer sometimes help, like a kitchen timer um, or a clock timer on your phone where you give them sort of 20 minutes half an hour and they have to stay at the table for that long um you know and then and then you know that's it um obviously it's hard worrying um that he's hungry going to bed uh, you know there's not much you can do you can't force him to eat and obviously you don't want to just be giving him sort of junk food sort of thing um so that's why I would, you know, earlier in the day, just really focus on good three good meals, two snacks, um, and not sort of overwhelming him with other snacks throughout the day. And hopefully things will get back on track again. 
And, you know, maybe always also including him in the preparation of the food. Like what does he want? You know, show him what you're doing, show him the vegetables, let him help you prepare the meal, sit down with him, all those things that, you know, um, can help. What would you say about, you know how, um, as you mentioned, toddlers are notoriously fussy about their food. Um, Mm. Should should they at this point, should Madeline at this point, say the two-and-a-half-year-old is a sucker for pasta bolognese and never says no to that? Um, I know that we don't want to set up bad habits, but should she just say, oh, I'll just give him what he'll eat? Or do you sort of stand firm Um. and... I, I think you can, but I think it's also good to have other things on the plate. So they've got to see other food, you know, even if they don't eat it, just a little piece of broccoli or a little bit of carrot or a little bit of, you know, ask him to touch it and maybe smell it. You know, if he doesn't eat it, he doesn't eat it, but they've got to see other food because if all they're seeing is pasta bolognese, you know, every day and, you know, then they don't know, you know, so there is, you know, a school of thought where you just present the food, you know, you present it in front of them, little bit, little bit of this, little bit of what they like, a little bit new food every day, you know, or every couple of days, something new so they can look at it, smell it, touch it, you know, they don't necessarily have to eat it, taste it would be good just to taste it. But, um, you know, just always present something new so that they see the other foods. Yeah. Good luck, Madeline. This next Yeah, question. good luck. This next question comes from Adelina from our Facebook inbox. She says, hello, my daughter is one year and three months old and she transitioned nicely to one nap of about two hours at around 2 p.m. She goes to bed around 9 p.m. and wakes up around 9 a.m., but she wakes up once during the night. I breastfeed her and then she wants to be rocked back to sleep. It is exhausting every night. Any tips to avoid Mm. her waking up during the night? Thank you. Gee, rocking a uh, one, one, almost one-and-a-half-year-old must be yeah. really hard on your yeah, back. Yeah, great on your back. I mean, I think the thing at this age is that wake is obviously habitual. You know, she's used to waking. That's her little body clock set like that. She's used to getting a breastfeed and a rock back to sleep. So the way to stop that is to just take the breastfeeding away. So stop the breastfeeding. Stop the rocking. You know, I know that... Um, you know, she's not going to like it. She's going to protest quite loudly. But um, if if uh, Ad- Adelina, Adelina, Adelina can sit with her um, the whole time and just sort of pat her or stroke her back, pick her up, cuddle her, put her back down, you know, and get through. And I promise Adelina that she will go back to sleep eventually, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, you'll just have one or two hard nights and then and then that should pass and she should really stop the waking so remember that you know if you're doing something repetitively it does become habit and particularly for a a, you know an over 12 month old she's not waking from hunger it is absolutely habit so we just have to change that up and take that you know off the sort of table that's not an option there is no food overnight and and babies just stop waking because they don't need to they're very clever we've just got to show them how to do it yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, look, Sarah on Facebook has put in a question about her son who has ADHD and it's his diet. I was going to recommend that Sarah look up the fussy eating doctor because she's a hospital nutritionist mm. and, and specialises mm. in, in that sort of thing. Would you like to have a crack or do you feel that you'd prefer to leave that one to Jen um, Cohen? 
yeah, look, I mean, I think kids with um, uh, sort of other diagnoses some, or special needs, sometimes, you know, it's better just to speak to someone who's professional in that area. So I'm happy to leave that yeah. to the professionals. Yeah. Okay, Sarah, we'll pop uh, a link to Jen Cohen, who's a fussy eating doctor. As I said, she's... Um, She's definitely one who will have more experience in this. She works at a hospital mm. and works at Canteen as well. So I'm sure she's got lots of tips that she can give you. So we'll pop a link for you in the notes of this episode. Um, going back to what you are an expert in, Joe, <laughs> uh, this is from Sarah who says, I've been a long-time listener of the podcast and now find myself in need of your help. Our daughter... Our daughter recently turned two and has always loved her sleep. We have always prioritized a consistent routine, roughly 7.30 till 7.30 at night, plus a one and a half to two hour day nap. So 7.30 a.m. till 7.30 at night Mm -hmm. and have consistent sleep cues, sleeping bag, book, comforter, sing a nursery rhyme, then leave her to self-settle. In the last week, she has totally lost the ability to self-settle and we found herself ourselves camping out in her room for 10 to 30 minutes at bedtime and again at 2 or 4 a.m. until she falls asleep. What started out as possibly just a rough couple of nights due to a possible sickness or some separation anxiety seems to be coming the new normal. The first couple of nights, the only way I could settle her was with gentle pressure, stroking her head and shushing. Now I can calmly ask her or help her to lie back down and then I sit nearby until she's asleep. This has also impacted her day naps to the point where she has not napped at all, barely, except at daycare where I believe they, they pat them. I understand some separation anxiety can be common at this stage, but don't want to become chained to her cot every night. I should also note that I'm 32 weeks pregnant. I'm not sure this means much to her, but perhaps it's a factor. Thank you so much for all the fantastic support and resources you offer. Well, yes, you know, again, I think, you know, like we talked about in the first, um, the first one, you know, the, any changes in the environment cause regression and sleep can be one of them. And the separation anxiety can really go up as well. So um, I would just, uh, you know, sort of, so it does become with toddlers. She's two, right? Two and a bit, two and a half. Let me, sorry. Um just turned two. Just turned two, yeah. So definitely in that separation anxiety phase, but also, um, you know, the thing with toddlers is the wheels can fall off the sleep really quickly, like and particularly if you introduce like something like sitting with them because that that's what, you know, that obviously helps them with, reduce their anxiety and helps them go off to sleep and it's a pretty nice thing for them. Not so nice for you when you're 32 weeks pregnant and you've got to sort of sit there for an hour or whatever and it just does become a habit you know so my advice is to sort of slowly get yourself out of the room again so um she's in a cot it sounds which is great so she's not going to jump out and follow you but I think you know when she's calm you say something like um I'm just going to pop out and take my shoes off and I'll come back and then I will sit with you again you know so pop out check set your phone stay up for 30 seconds pop back in you know, so what we're trying to do is to build up her trust again. So reduce her anxiety about being separated from you, build up her trust that you're around, you, you're going to do what you say you're going to do. So, but you, you know, you go, but you come back because that's the thing they can't quite grasp. They think that you've gone, you've gone, you know, they don't understand that you're going to come back. 
So keep it short, 30 seconds at a time out of the room to start with, you know, and try to work on being out of the room when she does finally fall asleep because that's the key to stop the waking overnight. Because if you fall, if a child falls asleep while you're sitting on the, in the room, they expect you to be there every time their little eyes open in the night. And if you're not, they're like, they wake right up and freak out sort of thing. So work on getting out of the room over the course of a few nights or a week. Increase that period of time that you're out of the room if you feel that she's coping and she's not distressed, you know, until the point where you can go out and stay out. And always do what you say you're going to do. So I'm going out for five minutes, stay out, but I'll come back. Always come back when you say you will, even if you think she's asleep, just to check on her. You know, because what we don't want is they can become hypervigilant. You say, oh, I'm just going to do this and I'll come back in a minute. And you don't come back. They're like, you know, so they can't relax and close their eyes and go to sleep. So just always do what you say you'll do. Keep it short, beginning, and hopefully she'll, she'll get back on track. This next question comes from Rosie. She says, my son will be two in June. About six weeks ago, he discovered he could climb out of his cot. The rails were up and the mattress at its lowest, but he still managed it every night. We have since Mm -hmm. lowered one rail so we don't have any accidents. At first, it was a battle to keep him in bed when we were trying to get him off to sleep. But with a bit longer prep time, books, songs, etc., he now self-settles really well again for nap time and nighttime sleep. We've been sitting quietly in with him until he's asleep just to ensure he doesn't escape. It takes about 10 minutes for him to fall asleep. However, every night, pretty much since he learnt the escape route, he pops out of bed, opens his bedroom door and appears in our room without fail between midnight and 2 a.m., we put him back to bed and often we'll have to sit with him for over an hour or more before he goes off again. And sometimes he's up again 45 minutes later. If we shut his gate, he'll just stand at it screaming and it escalates from there. Some nights, myself or my husband end up sleeping in his room just so we can all get some rest. He has had a few unsettled periods of night sleep before, but on the whole, he is usually a great sleeper. Nap is 12.30 till 2.30 and we often have to wake him up from this. And bedtime is bath at 7 and sleep by 7.30. He does have a bottle at bedtime while we're reading books, which I know we have to drop, but I want to do this when his sleep is better generally. Any suggestions for tactics on getting him to sleep through the night again would be greatly appreciated. (laughs) Yes, the climbers, that's really tricky because, you know, he's he's young. He's still really young at two. um, And... You know, it's you know you can't sort of you want to minimise them hurting themselves, so you kind of have to have the side down. It is a tricky one. I mean, I think I would use the advice that I just gave previously about sort of um, not. The thing is that you try, you need to try and not be there when he falls asleep. Going in and out is a better option, you know, than sitting there the whole time. Um, because again, he's going to wake up or you know roll over, and his eyes are going to flick open, and you're not there, and that's why he's coming to find you, you know, in the night. So um, uh, I think, yeah. So working on getting him to fall asleep without you in the room, ultimately. So exactly the same advice that I gave previously: go out, tell him you'll be back. You know, try to keep it short, particularly because you don't want him climbing out and following you. 
you know. Um, but if you can do, it sounds like the bedtime routine is working pretty well and is staying, but now you need to get yourself out of the room. And then overnight, same thing, go back, take him back, sit with him for a couple of minutes, tell him you're going off to do something, come back, do that for a bit. It means ultimately at the beginning things take a bit longer. They take a bit longer to fall asleep, but it should then help um, speed things up, you know, so it should then help reduce the waking at night. And, um, yeah, but, you know, look, it's just a, it's one of those terrible <laughs> developmental phases. Like he's learnt to do it. He wants to practice it. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not much you can do. It sounds like he's in a sleeping bag. Sometimes sleeping, if he isn't, I put him in a sleeping bag because sometimes they slow him down. The, yeah, slows <laughs> him down. They can't throw the leg over the, you know, the cot side. Um, uh, I'm not a huge fan of like shutting doors and locking, putting gates up and things like that because, as you say, as she said, she's tried and it just kind of escalates and, and you just have a screaming child who takes hours to calm down, you know, mm. and everyone's awake and it's all very distressing. No one wants that in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully it will pass quickly. Yes. Um, the mm. next question comes from Clara. She says, I'm wondering if you can help me decide if my daughter is ready for school next year. She'll be turning five in February. She'll be the right age to start, but I have some concerns that she won't really be ready yet because she still seems so immature. She never sits still, has a, has a lot of tantrums when she doesn't get her own way. She's an extremely fussy eater and just a generally high-maintenance child. We have a while before the next school year starts, so I'm wondering if there's anything we can do to start readying her for starting school. It's been suggested by my mother that I should put her into preschool, but we've never done any daycare before, and I'm not sure we should start now. I'd love some advice. It's from Clara. Okay. Well, I mean, look, everyone's different personalities, and it doesn't necessarily mean she's not ready for school, and, in fact, school might be a good thing for her, sort of, you know, kind of just to kind of curb those, you know, wild ways a little bit. and But, you know, preschool is a good idea. Uh, you know, I think preschool is, is a good prep from, for school. Um, so maybe, you know, some preschool this year just to get her used to the process, the sitting down, the, you know, the following instructions sort of thing. Um, and also kids often tend to adapt to what their peers are doing anyway because they want to naturally be like everyone you know we have a natural inclination to be like our peers you know you don't want to stand out don't want to be different so often they do um sort of fit in and and start to sort of do what they're supposed to do because of that natural inbuilt kind of you know thing that we have um but yeah i mean look i think i don't think she you know girls are generally ready to you know um earlier anyway so it, she could be frustrated anyway being at home she she might need a bit of sort of activity and stimulation and kind of structure more uh, so you might find that she thrives in that environment but yeah if you can then you know giving her a couple of days a week of preschool might be a good start yeah and also the educators will be able to tell um tell clara totally. what whether they think she's ready for school and you've got time yes. Exactly. Time exactly. To, while this yeah. year is flying, it has not flown that fast yet. That's right. I kept looking at the time. We're actually only in May, you know, which is, you know, seems crazy that we are in May, but also yes. we've got a bit of the year to go. Yeah. <laughs> You've yeah. got time. Uh, we've mm. probably got time for one last question, Joe. Um, this one's from Roberta. 
Roberta says, hi, ladies, my 16-month-old daughter has never really slept well, but the last few months, everything has gone haywire. She's been waking repeatedly through the night, sometimes every hour. Bedtime is really hard. She hates going to bed and will fight sleep for hours after her 8 p.m. bedtime. Sometimes she's still awake and calling out to us at 10 p.m. From then, she wakes around 1 a.m. and this is when the repeated waking starts. To get her back to sleep, I need to pat her bottom or sometimes pick her up to be rocked back to sleep. We sometimes need to repeat this cycle three or four times until around 6 a.m. Then she will go back to sleep properly till about 8 when she wakes up ravenous and ready to start a new day. She still has a bottle before breakfast and at bedtime, but she has dropped the daytime nap this month and simply refused to sleep, refuses to sleep during the day. I'm so confused. Things are going from bad to worst. Where do I start to get things on track? Okay, so she's 16 months old, so she should really still be having a day sleep, you know. Uh, the problem is it sounds like she's just gotten herself into this sort of probably overtired state, um, which contributes to all that waking, and it's a vicious cycle, and then they can't sleep, and then it takes longer for them to go to sleep, and they're a bit wired all the time. Um, so we need to sort of dial everything back, I would think. You know, um, she's going to bed a wee bit too late for my sort of particularly if she's not having a day nap. So I would start by putting into bed and having her asleep by seven at the latest, okay? The reason being that all children get their deepest sleep of the night before midnight. So we want to increase the amount of deep sleep she's having because that helps them feel more rested the next day. If you're reducing that, she's only getting three or four hours of deep sleep instead of five or six. Um, they just could be, you know, it can cause them to wake more in the night and just be more overtired the next day. Um, 1 a.m. is a classic wake time. Midnight, 1 a.m. is a classic wake time because she's coming out of her deep sleep. So they do, they can wake right up at that time and be awake for a long time. But my recommendation there is to try not to rock her back to sleep in your arms. Try to just pat her, keep her in the cot and pat her to sleep in the cot. She falls asleep in her in your arms and you put her back down in the cot asleep. She will wake again then frequently after that. So she needs to fall asleep where she wakes and that's in her bed. Okay, that, all, that helps everything. And then during the day, I probably wouldn't let her have that really long sleep in the morning. I would sort of say at 7 a.m. you get her up and you start your day and try to work on a 7 to 7 kind of scenario um, and maybe start to put her down for her nap a little bit sooner because she is overtired. So maybe put her, give her, if she's up at 7, maybe put her down at 10, you know, for a morning nap you know, and let her at least have some sleep. You know, you might find you get better success because she's not way overtired and wound up at the, by that time, you know, and she might even have, you know, if she has a couple of hours then, then she can stay up for the afternoon and you can put her down even a bit earlier, maybe 6.30, you know. That's what I would do. I would just bring everything back, keep it, you know, um, a bit quiet for a couple of days, don't do too much activity and try to get the sleep happening again. And overnight, just resettle her, resettle her, resettle her, try to keep her in her cot. Obviously, if she's very distressed, you can give her a cuddle, but then back in the cot. Yeah. yeah. And then hopefully things will improve. Gosh, it, it is challenging, isn't it, when they're little? Like it's, mm. it, there's lots of things you can do. All the tips you gave are really helpful. But um, I think I just was listening to that thinking, mums, be kind to yourself. Yeah. 
It's so tough yeah. when you and they will sleep. Mine. I, I often hear people talking about their little ones waking through the night and just think of all the times I rocked my daughter to sleep. And now she can walk. So she just walks to my bed and it's so much. <laughs> I sleep. I get sleep. It will come. It, yeah. It feels like it's never going to happen, but it does. And we're all different and some people cope, you know, some people don't mind their children waking overnight because that's just, you know, that that doesn't matter. And for other people it is very stressful and it's, you know, it causes great anxiety. So, that you know, you need to pick and choose out of all that those tips what you can and can't do. I mean, if you could do it all, great, you know, and sometimes it can be fixed reasonably quickly. But, you know, you might need to wait till you're feeling more energetic before you tackle it, you know, yeah. as well. Be in a yeah. good place, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you so much for your time today and all that excellent advice. If you didn't get a chance to ask Joe your questions, she is one of our experts on Babyology's parent school, so you can book in for a one-on-one consult with Joe. She also has an excellent program with some practical tips on setting up good sleep practices for your babies. Um, I highly suggest you have a read of that. That's also available at the parent school. So I'll put all those links in the podcast and we'll also put it in this Facebook Live. Uh, We will be back with another expert next week. Joe, thanks again for your time today. You're welcome. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.